Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and I'm here with the full-time special guest... Joel Kovacs. Joel Kovacs. <laughs> Does your family start prepping for Christmas uh, before Thanksgiving? What do you mean by or? prep? Just like getting out the decor, starting to well, put stuff up. Well, typically... The decor happens this weekend. Yeah, like officially after Thanksgiving. Or yeah, you usually like you start? Thanksgiving happens and then some, it's like depending on basketball schedules with the boys, Friday or Saturday afternoon, evening, there's some Christmas de- decorum. Yeah. Usually okay. I think like Sunday afternoon, we put the tree up. Sunday evening, like that type of thing. Yeah. It's like done. It's like... Do you guys do Christmas lights on the outside and all so that kind of stuff? So I, do Christmas lights on the outside. I will say that, like, I, because I've become such a big lover of pickleball. Yeah, we've had such a beautiful November, and before I'd be like, "Oh, this is great. This is the perfect opportunity to put up Christmas lights." And now I'm like, <laughs> "Now oh, there's another great. option. It's the perfect opportunity to go play pickleball because I know this is like the last." of days that this would be possible outside. So uh, I missed my window and I don't mind if it's cold, but I won't put Christmas lights up in the weather we're having today. Yeah. The rainy, the rainy cold. Mm -mm. No, 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 no way. Yeah. Some people go straight from Halloween to Christmas. They don't, they don't really give Thanksgiving as time to shine. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. You gotta, you gotta do it all in its time. There's lights up. There are lights up in our, neighborhood already too early yeah i feel like they should be going up right now yeah i'm, I'm fine if they go up. like you know we're like basically in the office but not working today working but not in the office whatever yeah you call it wednesday before thanksgiving and that it's like thanksgiving it's fine yeah i agree this I agree. day it's it it's here yeah so you ready for uh today's sponsor yeah so i got a i got a letter in the mail oh man um, you ever heard of Brandon Lake? Is he a country singer? Kind of. Brandon Lake, I do, I, I do yeah. feel like I, I know. Who that um, is. he's not a country singer. Oh, is he, but he is a singer. Yeah, he he's the one that wrote and sang "Graves into Gardens." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he he mailed us a letter after you reprised his song Sunday. No, you no, you're so yeah, full he of did. It. You're so full he's, of it. I don't know how Just he's so stop. quick. He's fast. Stop. Uh, so I'm going to read it to you, okay? Oh, boy. It says, Dear Joel Kovacs, <laughs> I appreciate you singing Graves in the Garden Sunday, but I really don't like when people show me up, so I'm going to have to oh. ask you to stop. Mm. So just stay in your lane, and I'll stay in mine. Stay in your lane, boy. Yep. Love, Brandon. It's only going to be funny to like the people that were there and the people on <laughs> staff, the two that listened to this in 10 months or something like that. <laughs> but it is funny. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, good. It was a, we had a good day. We had a lot of crowd interaction. We don't get that yeah, that much. You know, yeah. I love seeing people get into worship. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing. I think in this season of the culture we're living in, people want to um, have this be a sacred space in the sense that it it uh, it takes you and it 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 might stretch you a little bit. It 
it makes you feel very safe and very yeah. comfortable, but at the same time, it it the implications of being here are that there are greatness uh, greatness is out there, and there's more for you, and you can grow, and and so I think that and and you can lead people to be more expressive right now, or like we did a service a couple of weeks ago where we just had people pray for a yeah, while. That was really awesome think, too. You know, those are the types of things that for honestly thousands of years, the church is really, you know, built upon. So yeah, it was fun. It was a good day. Yeah. I thought it was great. Uh, to recap. So week three, we could, we discussed that tithing is a communal command with a communal outcome and that the arrival is here and that we are a part of bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. God's plan from the beginning has been about restoring and rewriting history into the perfect marriage of his people being reunited with him, that he will dwell among us. And God is currently using us to be a part of the Putting Right Project. Joel referenced the story of Zacchaeus. It's a story of God's grace and pursuit of his people. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and decided to turn from his allegiance to Caesar and give his allegiance to God. It's not that Zacchaeus just changed his belief, but he changed his life and acted on his belief by giving back to the kingdom of God. Joel also referenced the Romans 8, 28 verse, explaining that the word for is actually supposed to be interpreted as through and that God works through his people to bring about the goodness of God. We ended with explaining that the church exists to be a part of how God puts the whole world right. Anything else? Miss anything? Um, no, it's good. The uh, the arrival is outlined, and uh, obviously, it's uh, manifested in the story of Zacchaeus. Yeah, and so we talked about that, about you know his the the progression of God wants to put the world right, and so you see God's promise to put the world right from the very beginning with the the nation of Israel and the promise to Abraham. And then his commitment to those people and those people's hearts are far from him and his dwelling can't really be among them. It kind of like, it's almost like if you, you know, it's kind of like there's a, a couple, they get, they get married and then they get divorced and then they try to get back together yeah. That's like what the Old Testament is after yeah. Abraham. It's it's the moving. It's like, oh, let's try this. You know, can we can we get our lives together here? And again, of course, the analogy breaks down because God's perfect and in, in, in marriage it takes two to tango. But like you have, you know, basically God tries to dwell in the tabernacle. He gives them the ways that they can be the people of God so that also he can dwell with them. Yeah. And then they can't be the people of God because their hearts need transformed. And so the law doesn't transform their hearts. And, and uh, so he leaves and then, and then he comes, you know, God becomes flesh and dwells among us. And that's the beginning of new creation. Uh, and that's the beginning of the setting the humans right part. Yeah. So in order for God to bring about what he originally intended the world to experience, we have to be image bearers. And that means we have to do the things that God intended us to do. Well, while our hearts are sinful, wicked, broken, evil, 
you know, in rebellion towards God, that's not possible. The Old Testament, even the people of God can't be the people of God. So now with Christ, because of what he does, he circumcises hearts. He gets into the spirit. He gets behind the, the facade of just what we look like. He gets into the guts of what sin is all about, which is this holistic mindset and spirit and disposition and and desire and motivation and who we are and what we believe and who we worship. And and he, he gives us the opportunity to solve that with the spirit of God. But then it immediately it flips us. The reason that I'm doing this is so now you can be the people that I always designed you to be. And so it's it's the it's the resurrection of Jesus then that's the beginning of this new creation project and the spirit and the, the the presence of Jesus on earth and the kingdom of God coming to earth and when Zacchaeus who is the people of God hearts turned away from God manifested in turning away from the nation of Israel hurting people oppression stealing that's what he's doing representing the devil like probably not hyperbolic to say that when you're representing Rome during that time, especially in the clash between the Jews and the Romans, that you are literally on the devil's side. Yeah. And then, and then Jesus goes to his house and, uh, and then he, his heart is transformed. Therefore he starts to give back and Jesus says, salvation has come to this household. And he's not just saying that, this man's heart has changed. He's saying, because this man's heart has changed in this moment, his life has changed. Now he's doing, and the arrival of the kingdom of God happens. Yeah. Right? Pop-up showers, the giving back of money, the celebrations, the recommunion of the, the nation of, you know, the people groups that he would hurt or whoever he stole from. Those are the little pop-up showers of the kingdom of God. And that's what happens when we align ourselves to God's purpose in our lives. So, uh, one of the things I was talking about with someone this week that I just, uh, I, I think it's important to understand when, G- when Jesus resurrects from the dead, you know, uh, Paul goes on to call him the second Adam. It's a really interesting thing. You know, as I was thinking about Christmas, why is Jesus the second Adam? Well, what's similar about Jesus? You know, so, so Adam didn't have, he wasn't born yeah the way that everyone else yeah, is born that's interesting so now you have jesus who wasn't conceived the way that anyone else can be, be conceived but he's partially conceived the way this is god becoming flesh and dwelling among us so he takes yeah. on a female human mother but he's conceived by the holy spirit so there's really no like consummation or any type of it's all new yeah it's the same thing as Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created. Uh, that word created is actually not a good word to use for it because creation has to do with taking something that exists and making something out of it. Yeah. And the word there that should be used is not creation. That's like what kids do with crayons. What word should be used is in the beginning god made something out of nothing yeah and that's the story of adam and eve something out of nothing something amazing well so here comes jesus 
out of you know out of the nothing yeah the new the new the recreation now again he's he's eternal but he's showing up in an in an unlikely f- manner the same way that adam yeah. and eve did that's so really cool. uh, anyway it's just now so that's like oh this is new here we go yeah. god is speaking and that's it the, the the word became flesh and dwelt among us so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he make something from nothing? Well, with the power of his voice. Yeah, spoke it into existence. So, you know, Jesus, the voice, all that. So uh, that is that is the picture of not just tithing, but that's the picture of the Christian life, right? So tithing is a part of, it's a part of what God had planned for the nation of Israel to be the people of God. So they could be a part of putting the world right. Yeah. And they weren't. So they need their hearts changed. Yeah. So now our hearts get changed. Well, now let's put the world right. Let's, let's do all that we can. You know, if anything, we should be looking at it going, we, wow, we don't do enough. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's so much to do. But so, yeah. Do you have an example of like a modern day Zacchaeus equivalent? You know, I have I have a couple of from over my over my lifetime yeah. that uh, are pretty pretty radical. Um, it's a it's a bizarre story. You want to share? Yeah. So I have an older brother. I have a couple older brothers. One older older brother who is, needless to say, very very sick. You know, he's, he's schizophrenic, has suffered mental illness for a really long time. And honestly, I think part of that was, you know, our very unstable childhood mixed with drugs and then mixed with a very intense form of religious, you know, environment, which can really wreak havoc on people that have mental problems or emotionally unstable. And so I think he kind of came out of, you know, 18, 19 years old, really a mess. During when he was like 19, he did go to Bible college. Oh, wow. And, and, and that was in retrospect, not good at all. Yeah. I mean, what's amazing is, you know, even when we make horrible decisions, amazing things happen. He married this girl, they got divorced. Um, and they had these, he had, he had four beautiful kids. Now they, they were adopted by their stepdad cause he's such a mess, but the kids are beautiful. Um, so he was like in this kind of zealous moment. And there was a kid that we went to uh, high school with, and his name was Ben. And Ben was, he was, I had Japanese class with him. Yeah. All right. So I took Japanese in high school and uh, he was getting F's in every class except for language. Oh, wow. He, he was a straight A student in languages gifted, crazy gifted in languages. He would come to class my whatever sophomore, junior year. He was a year older than me. He would come to class. He smelled like pot. He looked like a, like a pothead, you know, whatever that at the time that was like kind of synonymous with like the grunge, like, you know, Eddie Vedder, whatever, super long hair down his back, you know, type of thing. And, And he would come, to Japanese class and, and Ben would, the teacher would be like, you need to sit down. And he'd be like, he said, sensei, just give me the test. 
just, just give me the test. And so the sensei would give him the test. And cause she was like, you know, like, like first generation Japanese, like learned English as a second language to be a teacher, but like barely like didn't speak English. Great. Yeah. And certainly didn't know how to handle this. Like, you know, Uber white, you know, suburban pothead kid who looked like a rock and roll star. Like he was weird. So, so he would say, give me the test and he'd just get straight A's on the test. He just was perfect at language. And, uh, my brother, he then dropped out of high school and my brother went to Bible college and on his first trip home, Ben called like for break, like around now. Yeah. Whatever holidays. He, he called up my brother, Jake, and he's like, dude, you want to smoke some pot? You know, they were always smoking drugs and all that stuff. And my brother, Jake goes, no, I don't want to smoke any pot, but if you want to come over to my house right now and I'll talk to you about Jesus. And That's so, crazy. So Ben was like, he was a pothead. So he was like, cool, man. <laughs> so, yeah. he, so he comes over and this kid in like a day has a moment where he says, I'm, I'm in. Wow. I'm following Jesus. So he, he went from that moment it was either literally in, in January or, or it was in March. They were on quarters or April or whatever that he went to Bible college where my brother was. Within one year, he graduated with straight A's from Bible college. He went directly to Grace College and Theological Seminary. Within a year and a half, he had his undergrad, and when he was what should have been a junior-level undergrad student, he was teaching Hebrew and Greek to, oh seminary, to seminary students. He then that graduated. He graduated and early, and he taught Hebrew and Greek. He was a Greek scholar. The The main guy, there was a, Grace had a, a couple of renowned theologians, and one of them there, I can't remember his name, I think his first name was John, but he had written like 75 books, and he wanted Ben to stay and be the next prof that was, but he, but, but he was just, to him, this grace seminary undergrad kind of seminary thing was just n not in compelling. So, yeah. so he got a fellowship and he got a full ride to get his PhD. He, he was teaching the master's programs at grace before he had his master's. So he's getting his master's while he's teaching people in the class. That is so impressive. And then, and then by the time he's graduated and he's taught a little bit, he gets all kinds of fellowship opportunities. So he gets a fellowship to go study Near Eastern Semitic languages at the University of Chicago, which is like, boom, like that is way up at the top in terms of this field. So he becomes there, he's doing his dissertation and he's a language expert. He, at, at during his time there, he goes overseas to Israel 
and he's on an archaeological dig because they're pulling stuff out of the ground that has writing on it and nobody knows what it says. And he, uh, he, he finds something there and he can read it. And he's the only person that's ever been known to be able to read this thing. And he's in then national geographic. This is so crazy. (laughs) It's true. And you know, uh, everything, everything, it's a fascinating story. He really did pursue Christ in, in many ways. His life was changed. Yeah. Uh, he also unlocked a very significant language gift. I mean, like, just, just the top kind of language gift you could possibly have. And so, anyway, I, I have seen, like, I've seen the stories where people radically change in a day. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Um, usually, those stories are not high school kids. Yeah. And they're not middle school kids, which is fascinating. Usually, high school kids go to camp and cry. And they follow Jesus, but it's very emotional. Yeah. And... um Sometimes I think that's g- totally genuine. I'm not saying that God's not in that or whatever, but y- you often see people who have the radical change in no, in, in no uncertain terms. They, they've created a value system that falls apart. Yeah. And um, the, the value system of Christ and who he is and what it means for your life is so refreshing because of its grace and its gift and your eyes are opened and God actually does this massive move of drawing somebody to himself. So then you're kind of, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then you see life change usually a little later. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, I, I have a couple other ones too, but that that's that's, really that's cool. the one that always jumps right to my mind. It's just a crazy story, yeah. just because of what actually ends up happening too. And that's a great you know piece of the uh, um, the picture of Zacchaeus. It's like you know he, he was a chief tax collector. You know what an interesting oxymoronic uh, contextually title. Like what a weird title, the chief tax collector it's like the the really good bad guy yeah you know so just like ben it's like the language expert who was a mess yeah the best at but what he's like the best at being the a traitor best at being in that and that's just a fee that's just like a a a hierarchy and command and he had all types of skills and who knows what he went on and did you know probably some amazing things and um it would be a good That'd be a good, like, movie or play or something. What happened to Zacchaeus after this amazing story? Yeah, something interesting about that is you look at those people at their worst, and it's easy to think, like, they don't deserve God's grace. You know, like, look at where they're at. And then eventually God reveals to you that, like, you're in the same boat. Totally. Like, everyone everyone needs it equally. Yep. Um, so, uh, the Romans thing too is probably worth, yeah, you hit on that. Yeah. Um, I have that in here. Yeah. Um, before we get there, um, so we're called to be a part of 
putting of the putting right project. Can you outline some of the implications of that call on our lives? Yeah. That that's one we we go back to all the time. It's just another way to say that um okay. It, well here here's okay, here's how here's how that plays out. So the original vocation of humanity was to to act like God in the world that he put us in, the garden and in, in, in earth as we worship him, but act like him, yeah. which means we build things and create things and work or worship six yeah. days and stop one day and all that stuff, have families, rule over the world, subdue it, rule over the fish and the animals and 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 make this into this beautiful creation take the chaotic kind of potential of the garden and turn it into something wonderful. And, and so we abandoned that call and, and, and did all that. And, and so then God has to get into our hearts, like we already said. And, and so um, the, the people of God, the nation of Israel, who their hearts don't turn back to God now through Christ, the nation of Israel is, is, is the beginnings of the people of God, but it is, but it continues with the church. And, um, and so it, it expands into anyone, the people of God, the gathering of, of God's people can be anyone, all nations, which was really what was promised to Abraham in the beginning anyway. Yeah. So now you have all these different people. There's no Jew, no Greek, nor male, no female. All are one, and they're all part of this, the people of God, with the Holy Spirit of God, who have now been given... Uh, a task to love their neighbor, you know, and to to uh, bring the goodness of God back into the world. the The difference is, you know, when it when the vocation was given originally, there was only just the beautiful potential of what we could create with this world, and you know, building cities and doing all these things or whatever it would look like. Now you've got the people of God who have just started to become like they were designed to be. Yeah. So outwardly we're deteriorating. We're spiritual and and saved and our hearts are renewed, but we're dying and so uh and so is the world in a spiritual sense all around us. And so more people need to be brought into the into a relationship with Jesus. And so uh it's not just the original plan to take the world and move it forward. It's be a part of getting people back on board with God and be a part of the reconstruction that all of evil and sin has decimated. Yeah. So when you're, when Jesus is talking on the sermon on the Mount and he's talking about people who thirst for righteousness, you know, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness these are the people of God because what that what they're seeing is a world full of injustice. Yeah. I think that word righteousness means injustice and righteousness means justice. So and the word justice means to make things right. And we always think of it in terms of like your spiritual righteousness, like, oh, you want people to be forgiven. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for being forgiven. He's saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to help make the world right because they will. They'll go 
they'll do it. So now we're in the process of of making making our king known, the declaration of the gospel. The king has come, he has risen, he's on the throne. That's good news because evil has ultimately been defeated. You should join the fellowship and allegiance to Jesus as opposed to any other power that you think, which will ruin your life. This is the way to life. And now those of us who have subscribed, believed, been transformed, are becoming like Christ, are not only telling others how to become like Christ, we are bringing the goodness and the ministry of Christ into the world. We're, we're feeding people, we're clothing people, we're loving our neighbor as ourself, yeah. we're, we're taking care of our families, we're learning to be gentle, we're learning to be kind and really um, uh, represent Christ well in, in, in whatever arena that we're placed. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of general, but that would be, that would be what that looks like to me. And that all lends to the Romans 8.28 verse. Um, so yes. the NIV version, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But you mentioned that the, the original Greek word that was used, um, that they um, interpreted as for, is really the meaning of, behind it of synergy. Yeah, it, and it, it, interpretation I think the root of comes through. from the same word, where it's the collaborative nature. So what you're seeing in Romans 8 is the power of the Spirit of God that is given to work through us. Yeah. And so that's the idea is that now all things come into newness through us, come are brought into life through us. God's plan is to work through his people. To bring about. That's why the, it, Jesus, it, the church is the body. Yeah. Right? So Jesus is the head and we're the hands, we're the feet. This is stuff we like when we talk about it that way. It's like, oh yeah, I'm here to have, to minister. Well, that's the same thing. You're here to bring about the goodness of God. God is working through you. And we're, you know, and that's the verses before it I talked about where it cry, we cry, Abba, Father. Now our spirit cries, Abba, Father. And that's the same as Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's just the idea of us going, my God, my God, why are people hurting so much and wanting to do whatever we can do and God working through us to bring about goodness into their lives? Yeah. The, the danger of any of this for, for some people is, oh, humans are no good and you know that's putting too much power in humans' hands and that's making us too important, too integral and humans just mess everything up. And humans are no good, and we just need Jesus. And, you know, the thing about that is, like, maybe before the cross, like, you could just say, like, you know, you're really good for nothing because you don't even have the spirit of the living God with you. But the, the implications of the spirit of God given to us so that we can start to be a part of this project, uh, it, you know, if we really got into what it means— we would all be like, oh, yeah, we wild. have way more power yeah. and responsibility than we give credit to. You know, it's like, you know, you're you're not capable of doing what you're designed to do without the life force of God. But once you have the life force of God, you are capable of doing it. Yeah, with Him. Yeah, through Him, Him through you. So, 
Uh, I love that. I think that gives a, a pretty clear picture of um, of what the New Testament is all about. Yeah. There, there was an author, I forget um, where I read this, but he was kind of painting the picture that like if Paul was talking to us today, Mm-hmm. He's he's like I I got the writings of Jesus and I got to hear the stories, but you guys have the spirit. Yeah, you know it's, it's like so such a significant yeah. pivotal it is. moment. It is you guys have it, you know. So yeah. Well, um, one last question yeah. before we close: What do you think God's experiencing right now, seeing us? commit to something so substantial about um, bringing about the goodness of God? You know, I think that he cares about every individual and in, in each one, each relationship that he has, he is capable of having different reactions. So I think that some people he sees what we're becoming and and what we choose to do and it pleases him greatly and then I think he's grieved greatly all the time and so I think that whenever he sees his church step up and do what he designed it to do commissioned it to do you know it just uh energizes I don't know energizes him that's such an it's such an interesting question yeah. without faith it's impossible to please God so in some in some respect he's pleased yeah which is kind of weird to think about it is it's a hard thing to because comprehend because God you know God is a being and you know, sometimes he might not be pleased which I think we know but it's amazing that God cares enough about us that our actions affect the way he feels. Yeah, that we can please him. You know, when you think about things in the world, you know, some, your wife will tell you something. Did you hear about so-and-so? And it's like two two people away, and it's not your group and your people or your small community, and you might just go, I don't really care about that. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't have the proximity to you. And you would think that God would look at all of us and go, I don't really care about that. You know, what with what he's dealing with, however yeah. he's holding the universe together or whatever that is. But he's genuinely affected by our behaviors. Yeah. So it's a, it's a that's a powerful, that's a message right there. That's it's a really cool that's thing a sermon to right there. Think about. Yeah. Thank you to everyone that stepped out in faith and made a commitment to join in on bringing heaven to earth. If you haven't filled out a commitment card yet, please do. It's what allows us as a church to determine what all we could bring um, about in this um, movement of um, establishing more of the kingdom of God here in our local and surrounding communities. You can fill it out digitally if you'd like. Head over to 514church.com slash we could. You can find it there. Hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. We will see you next week as we cover part one of Happy Holy Days on the Rest. Boom. Boom.